You're listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com. Well, good morning once again. So good to be here. And we're, we're going to, we'll do the offering. We'll do the offering. I think we'll, um, yeah, why not? Let's do the offering. I was going to do it at the end, but let, let's do the offering now. Um, so we're going to take this time now and receive your tithes and offerings, whatever the Lord lays on your heart to give. And there's a couple ways you can do that. Obviously, you can make out checks to the bridge, and um, we're going to pass the baskets this morning. Uh, or you can text one word, Bridge Metro West, to the number 94,000, and we'll send you a link. We have the app. There's the website as well um, where you can give. And there's just an amazing, we still get testimonies every month of people getting jobs that they didn't apply for. It's amazing. It, it still happens. We, it was a spontaneous kind of spontaneous combustive prayer over the offering probably a decade ago or close to. And amazingly enough, when we start praying for something, God actually honors heartfelt prayer. And my sister actually reminded me uh, like three weeks ago that the job she has, she didn't apply for. As a matter of fact, they called her three or four times and she said no until she finally said yes. And we just pray um, even for the minute details of your life. And we believe that God is interested in the minute details of your life. And we believe that God actually wants to bless you. It doesn't mean that we will not suffer or have hardship in life, but we can live from a position in a place of blessing, even in the midst of difficulty. That's what the apostles did. That's what Stephen did. And that's what we do here today. Amen? Amen. Amen. So God, I pray over this moment, this act of worship, God, and I thank you uh, for this spirit of radical generosity that has hit this house, that has enabled us to do amazing things both here locally, but also globally and what we've been able to be a part of, God. And so, Lord, as we give today again and we seek to bless you and to bless your name and to see your kingdom come and your will fully manifest on earth as it is in heaven, God, to embrace the truth of your word. Lord, I pray for that kingdom dynamic to come crashing down into this room. God, I pray for jobs and marketplace favor. I pray for jobs that we don't even apply for, promotions that we're not even looking for. Show the world who your sons and your daughters are and we will supply the needs of the kingdom around the world in Jesus name and all God's people said amen. amen and you can pass that around so I was in um, Dallas area last week and I ate a lot of food yeah I don't know I don't know if I clapping for that I ate a lot Deb and I were we, and Riley and I were all out there and Texans know how to eat yes they do so to just keep the trend going. We had the leaders go to the Odell's yesterday and we ate more food. But I, I was out there for a, a conference advancing Revelation with Streams Ministries and I spoke at the church Sunday morning. Then we had a couple days of board meetings after that um, and squeezed in a little top golf. So we don't have top golf here. The nearest one is in Rhode Island. It's basically like a driving range mixed with skeet ball. So it makes everybody feel like they're a winner. I won one thing. 
I think Evie let me. So Evie Zavala came out from LA and he and Tony can really do the golf. They can golf well, golfing, they, they're golfers. Um, but I hit a few balls long and straight, so I'm getting better. It was like my third time ever hitting a golf ball. So I, I feel, and, and Deb and I, uh, and Riley, we all did that. And Deb and I at least felt it the next day. She's like, we're getting in shape. I was like, I don't know if that's happening right now. So um, it's really rare that um, I wake up on a Sunday morning and completely shift gears. It really is rare. I, I, don't, um, I don't do that often, but I, I really felt uh, a shift this morning. And, you know, that gets me a little cranky in my gut, you know, because I like to be well thought and well planned. But there was years ago, one of the first messages I ever preached here, spoke here, uh, I don't know if I titled it. I don't, uh, I, you're supposed to title messages. I know that's what all the big guys say. Uh, I'm really terrible at that. As a matter of fact, after I speak, you know, Josh will text me or he'll chase me down or Jeremy will text me and say, well, what's the title of your message? And I'm usually like, well, listen to it. I, you know, I don't know what the title is. You know, you, a lot of guys will start with a title. But if I titled that message, it would have been, that's my ball. And I grew up, playing soccer and I played soccer because I wanted to play football like American football I know there's people of American football it's football everywhere else we call it soccer I'm not even sure why there's some history of the word I'm sure but but I had like an American football player mentality you know like if you how many people are watching the world cup right now very few do you realize like one billion people on the earth are watching the world cup right now what is wrong with you as a matter of fact, yesterday, I mean, was it yesterday, right? Yesterday were two of, the, some, two of the, the most exciting World Cup games that I've seen. They were really good. So you're missing out, and you're missing out on some great stories. Um, you know, make a cup of tea, make a cup of coffee, whatever you do, relax, because it is, you know, usually 90 to 100 minutes of mostly nothing happening. And then there's those two moments where something amazing happens, and then, you know, you've watched history. So... But you, you know how soccer players, like, someone stands near them and then they fall down as though near dead. It's like, there's like 3,500 near-death experiences every soccer game. Well, I wasn't like that playing soccer because I had a, an American football player's mentality. If you're going to hit me, I'm going to hit you. Like, I take numbers and I will, I will find you. But for me, my parents told me that if... And my, both of my parents have passed on, so I can always give my version of the story and I will no longer get texts with corrections. My mom used to watch, you know, and I would tell stories and she goes, that's not how it happened, you know, and she'd text me, sometimes right in the middle of service. Now I can say whatever I want. And Lisa's over there, so she can't correct me. It's great. But she tells her version of stories about me to the, your kids every week. So your kids know more about me than, than you do. And sadly, a lot of it is true. But so, uh, but they, the rule of the house was that if I got a yellow card, I would be grounded. So, yeah, they were tough, right? They were tough. So I had to learn how to do these things and not get caught. So I was pretty crafty. Now, when I went to college, it didn't matter. You know, I could just take people out and I was like, nobody's going to know. But, but that was my mentality. And so I didn't go down easy. Like you had to really make me go down. 
And that's just the way that I approached it. And when you got, got into college, it was more of the soccer culture, you know, people falling over. Or if you yelled at somebody, you know, they might cry. Or, I mean, not really, but, you know, and I responded to that. In high school, my coach would yell at me every game. And I responded to that because that's, that's how I am. I'm, I'm just aggressive. We were, we were talking about piano playing this morning and, and uh, you know, I do play and I led worship for about 20 years. I, I'll lead worship sometime soon again. Um, but I was saying, you know, Dan's a much better player than I am. Like Dan, when you see Dan get up here, or even Kelly, like these guys can play. And, you know, but Jeremy was like, yeah, but you play really aggressively. Now, I don't play as aggressively as I used to because it hurts and I take pain a little bit more seriously now than I did, like even 10 years ago. You know, I don't really want to bleed on the keys. You know, I, I had this keyboard, a Yamaha Motif keyboard, and I had to replace the keys. I don't know how many times. I just had a guy on call. And so I would just call him up and then he would drive to the church and then he would go through and replace the keys. You know, the sound guy who was here at the time, who, was, who had been my sound guy for years before that, he had just trained himself. He had a little kit and he would come up, especially when I, I traveled and placed somewhere else and he would get a little toothbrush and he'd clean the blood out from in between the keys and things like that. You know, it wasn't a stigmata. It was just, you know, I played just really, really hard. Right? I'd like to call it a spiritual manifestation, but I, the, the zeal of God would consume me. That was like an old, you know, charismatic song from I don't know how many years ago. You know, when, anyway, I don't, I'm tempted to go there. I'm not going to go there. But the, the zeal of God would consume me, and I would just get aggressive. And, and that was offensive to some people. Um, that amused me even more. But that's how I played soccer. That's just how I grew up. Now, you know, as aggressive as I am, my sister Lisa out there is, you know, I know she seems really nice and sweet, but she's really aggressive. Just watch her watch Celtics games. She and my dad would, these poor refs, I mean, even in high school, we go to high school basketball games and, and she was a cheerleader and she'd be screaming at the ref. And my dad's in the stands screaming at the ref and I'm just like sitting there like, I, you know, I would do some of that, but like they're like next level aggressive. I kept my, my aggressiveness, you know, on the court or, or on the field. You know, they, they carried it with them everywhere they go. So actually my dad was mostly quiet except when we were watching football or basketball. So I had this mentality on the field that when the ball was on the field, it belonged to me. That's just the way that it is. And there's this concept in soccer that's called a 50-50 ball, which means when the ball is in between you and your opponent, and, you know, you know, the idea is that you're an equal distance away. That was irrelevant to me. But you would call it a 50-50 ball. In my mind, often in my mind, or even sometimes even out loud, which is a little bit awkward, I would say, that's my ball. My assumption was that I had ownership of that which was in play. And that there was no opponent, there was no enemy, there was no adversary that was going to take that thing from me. And if they did, I was going to pursue, overtake, and recover the ball. Why? Because that's my ball. In the church today, there are things in play in the kingdom that by definition, we have ownership of, but because of our silence, because of our passivity, we have allowed the opponent to come and take possession of that which belongs to us. 
and then we take ownership of things that don't belong to us just because they are around us or they attach themselves into us. And we surrender to something that is lesser than, we surrender to the language of the the voice of the spirit of this age instead of the word of God, and we wonder why we are living in the condition in which we are living. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. And I got my large print Bible today. I'm not using my iPad. And I still need glasses. And I'm going to start with, uh, I'm just going to start with 18. But I like how 16 starts. Verse 16 out of the ESV, it says, but I say walk by the Spirit. And I mention this a lot. I just will pause there. We'll get to 18 in a second. But I say this a lot because we don't understand what it means to walk by the Spirit. Sometimes we have this idea that it's sort of this... um, you know, ethereal, out there, abstract concept of how we are supposed to walk. Well, what does it mean? We are tripartite beings, which means that we were created in the image of God. We have flesh, we have soul, and we have spirit. In our flesh, it's these physiological reactions that are guided by something. And then we have our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. Uh, many of us, and, and our propensity is to walk by soul. Means that, it, that means that we are driven simply by our mind, our will, and our emotions. But our spirit, when we come into Jesus, is now it is regenerated, it's made new. And so now that becomes the, the realm of this, um, I'm going to be using the word spheres and realm a lot because I just left streams. As a, as a good, those are good streams words, those are old bridge words we used to say all the time but the spirit is that space of wisdom communion and conscience it's the faith where the building blocks of faith the seed of faith is planted in us that gives us the capacity with God now to call things that are not as though they are we are called to walk by spirit what does that mean to walk by wisdom communion and conscience that's why the word, in the word, it's important for us to not violate our conscience because our conscience is the space of communication between his spirit and ours. And sometimes we do things that violate our conscience, but it might not violate someone else's conscience. And the word actually describes this. To one, this might be okay. To another one, this might not be okay. You know what? Just follow him. Walk by spirit. Amen? So verse 18 now. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. Mm. Road rage. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And then just that, that I'll just tag on verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What does that mean? That means the Spirit is on the move. Two things that I want to highlight out of this this passage. 
Number one, I love how the ESV puts it. I think the New American Standard calls it the deeds of the flesh. The ESV says the works of the flesh. These attributes that Paul is writing about to the Galatian church, he does not dignify them, giving them the characteristic of fruit. Because there is no fruitfulness that comes when we live driven by the flesh. Fruit bears fruit. But the works or the deeds of the flesh do not bear flute or fruit. They don't bear flutes or fruit. They just breed death. And so, you know, I, there were years where I, where I would talk about the, the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit and not understanding the, the very real distinction that these are the works of the deeds of the flesh. It's not fruit. It's what we do. And when we step into the things that we do on a regular basis, at some point, the actions that we take on will become our identity. This is the difference between someone who gets drunk and someone who is a drunkard. This is the difference between someone who has you know, sex before marriage but then becomes a fornicator. You take on the identity of that which you do if that which you do becomes the consistent action of your life. And now the works of the flesh lead you into a life that is driven and led by the flesh and we're no longer walking in wisdom, communion, and conscience. We are walking according to the flesh. Does that make sense? But when you're in Christ, these, th these things don't belong to you. What belongs to you? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit of the living God lives within you. That's your ball. Amen. Yet we listen to the voice of the Spirit of this age and we, we take on things that may be on us, but they are not us. And sometimes I get... I get in people's faces a little bit. I don't know if Nance is here today. I haven't seen her. No, she's not here today. But man, I love Nance. Nance has been here for years and years and years. She comes in faithfully every week. You know, now, I mean, a couple days a week often, she's cleaning the bathroom. She's cleaning your refuse. You know, she's doing things around the church and, and she has undergone such an amazing transformation. And we're gonna bring her up and have her talk about it probably in installments because so much transformation has taken place in her life. But she used to come in and she would, you know, start talking about the hardships in her life and, and she'd say, yeah, but my anxiety. And I would look at her and say, that's not your anxiety. It's anxiety that is on you, but it's not yours. Stop taking ownership of that which is lesser than. And I can speak from authority. About a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I finally got up and I openly talked about being diagnosed with clinical depression. I never called it my depression because it was not mine. It's not something that I owned. It was not something that I was in possession of. It was something that was on me. It was an obstacle to be overcome because that's what people the people of God do that's what leaders do they overcome obstacles they don't look at an obstacle and say oh I can't do that they look at an obstacle and they say you know what there's a 50 50 ball here and that's my ball you're not taking that thing from me 
I'm going to run faster. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to sprint a little bit more. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to war with the promises of God. I'm going to worship and in spirit and in truth. And you know, and, and, and you guys know, I mean, I had spine surgery in August, right? And you know, I lived in this, you know, kind of at times and moments of inconsolable pain. And I've learned to live with pain for years. I've had a dirt bike accident, this whole story. One guy, one time, that's probably 12 years ago, wrote down on a notebook, you know, I don't know, like two, two full pages or something like that, and handed me these sheets of all the spiritual roots of my condition. Oh. And said, well, if you repent of all of these things, then you'll be healed. I was like, I don't know if those are the spiritual roots of my condition. Uh, you know, I don't know about this, but I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm not healed because you don't look like Jesus yet. Now, look, I think repentance can play a big part in healing. If, you, if you're hanging on to unforgiveness and yet you want to have the, the, the beautiful fruit of healing come to you, sometimes unforgiveness could be a block toward healing. But at the same time, I didn't say Jesus do any of that. He'd say things, you know what, your faith made you well. Take up your mat and walk. That's how he functions. So when people come up and hand me sheets of paper of all these things that I need to, to repent for, what I need to repent for is probably riding too fast on a dirt bike when I had just gotten over, I don't know, the flu or some kind of cold and I was already tired and I was like, I'm just gonna do one more run. These two guys in ATVs popped out on the trail in front of me. They weren't even on a trail. Like they literally just came out from the woods and I had to jam on my brakes, my front uh, wheel went down, the, the disc brake locked, and I went flying. And I blew out a little section of my cervical spine. My shoulder was down here. I had, you know, sticks and stones. They didn't break my bones, but they were impaled in my flesh. Everything else hurt so bad, they just came up with a scalpel and a wire brush, and they just dug things out of me and scraped things out of me without any medication. I didn't care. Everything else hurt so bad, it didn't really matter. And now I would probably care. I'd be like, first thing, I'd be like, give me all the drugs. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> give me everything. Where's the morphine? I need, some, I need something, you know. I don't even remember them resetting my shoulder. I don't even remember getting medication. All I just know is I woke up and, you know, I was sort of put back together. Subsequently had semi-emergency spine surgery to repair my, my spine, which I didn't realize. Because, you know, when you're in your 20s, you think you're invincible. I left the hospital. I, went, I, I was supposed to dog sit a giant German shepherd and I went and I went and dogs to the giant. They were like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be fine. I didn't sleep a wink that night. I was in so much pain. Like now I'd be like, nah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> now when I play keys, I'm, you know, I'm Jeremy, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm sure I'm going to play as hard as I used to play. <laughs> See, Jeremy saw me when I was like in my mid thirties, we first met. I played hard then. Things broke, you know, mic stands disintegrated and everyone's like kick a stool or something like that. You know, I don't know. I don't even know what the things that I used to do. But it's because that's what the Lord asked me to do. There were times where, where I was functioning in the way that God called me to function. And I was in anywhere from you know, discomfort to inconsolable pain. But those things are not things that belong to me. They were things that attached themselves to me. And so my attitude going in, my attitude waking up in the morning was, you know what? There's this thing between me and the enemy and it's the kingdom of God. And that's my ball. 
That's what I'm going after. We're approaching this, this year, 2023. And, you know, people, some people, they love the Hebrew calendar. Some people love the Gregorian calendar. I think God will speak to you in a language that you understand. I'm not sure that God is super hung up on our calendars. And the, I, I, I get it. I mean, I understand. And, you know, someone's going to come and talk to me about the superiority of the Hebrew calendar. We, we just had a Hebrew New Year. So that went. That's great. Now we're coming into 2023, but I, I just feel this urgency now in my gut that we've got to identify the things that actually belong to us and cut off the things that do not belong to us verbally with our mouths and decide, that's my ball. I know the enemy is trying to take this from me, and I know that he's trying to give me something else that I will take ownership over, something that will begin to shift my identity from being a son of the living God into being something lesser than. Someone who's a slave to sin again. See, Romans chapter six says, sin shall not be master over you anymore. Why? Because we serve a greater master. We serve a greater God. He has given us these great and precious promises. And now we have, also in the book of Romans, we have access by faith. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about we, we have this boldness, this confidence to come before the throne of grace by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb, once and for all, has granted us access to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we have access to his voice. We have access to his face. And we have access because of faith. We can stride confidently to the Lord in the morning. Why? Because his mercies are new every morning. And his grace actually is sufficient for you. And so in that sense, it actually doesn't matter what happened last night. It doesn't matter what happened last week. You can wake in the morning and you can come into his presence and enjoy all of his great and precious promises, just like the woman who was caught in adultery. And he'll look at you and say, where are your accusers? And you will look up in this space and you'll say, oh my gosh, I, th there are none. He's like, that's exactly right. Because you're standing, you're kneeling, you have fallen before the, the feet of of the one who loves you, the one who has called you by your name, the one who formed you in your mother's womb and has given you an identity. He's given you a calling. He has given you a destiny. And now you just got to stand up and say, that's my ball. But on the other side of that freedom, the other side of that grace, he will say to you, now go and sin no more. Why? Because he doesn't want you to hold anything between your face and his. The fruit of the Spirit is a guarantee to those who have received him. Doesn't mean that we always function in it. I talk, it up all the, uh, talk about it all the time. What's my fleshometer? For me, it's driving. I, for years, I've looked at that and I've said, oh, fits of rage. My fits of rage are much more subdued now. You know, part of that is, could be just because I'm 51. I don't have the energy to have the fits of rage that I had when I was 25 wear you out. Nothing wears you out more than rage. Nothing will, will make you more fatigued than anger. When you live a lifestyle of anger, you live a lifestyle of unforgiveness, you live a lifestyle of rage, that will physically fatigue your body. That will actually become a gateway to all manner of sickness and disease. But when you're in Christ, that's not yours doesn't belong to you. Never call it my anxiety, my depression. It might be something that you are in 
for a season. You might be walking in the valley of the shadow of death, but you just keep walking without fear. Why? Because God is with you. And so now we have this Nance. I don't want to tell you too much because her story is too good and it should come from her lips, but you have this, this woman who is off almost all of her meds that she's been on ever since I've known her and I've known her for about 20 years. You have this woman who could never read the word of God that is reading the word of God at a voracious rate, entire books. She is memorizing passages of scripture. She came into the office a couple weeks ago and she goes, I'm on number eight. It's like, number eight, what does that mean? She goes, I'm, I'm on my eighth memorization. I can't get enough. I don't care what has afflicted you. I don't care what lie of the enemy has come against you. I don't care if it's sickness, if it's disease, if it's your history, if it's your currency, if it's your, your economic outlook, whatever it is, there is a God of freedom that is standing before you today and he's saying, would you step into my identity? I put the kingdom of God before you. Are you willing to look upon that thing and not look at the enemy, not look at the things that have you bound, not look at your difficulty and would you look at the one thing thing and say that's my ball that's what I want you to do today and I don't talk about all the fruit of the spirit often I just talk, I, let's just start with love joy and peace sometimes we want to we want to back our way in we want, well you need to be kind you need to be gentle I could probably use a little gentleness you need to be more patient. My daddy told me, don't ever pray for patience. Just be patient. I was in a meeting recently and, and someone was speaking and they were talking about asking God to humble you. I'm like, don't ask God to humble you. Humble yourself in the, light, in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You guys do that. Let me know how that goes. Ask the Lord to humble you. But see, the word says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And don't worry, if you don't, he will eventually. He'll get around to that, but he wants to give you every opportunity to take responsibility for the things that you need to take responsibility for. And it's a much better process if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord rather than allowing him to humble you. Because that's what a good dad does. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. That's your ball. Anything else that's lesser than, that is lesser than. It is the face of the adversary. It's the face of your opponent that is trying to take from you that which you have already identified as your possession. The works of the flesh are things that you do, but the fruit of the Spirit is something that you possess. It is in you. And sometimes, to get it out of you, the Lord has to take you through a season of pressing. That's where the new wine comes in. Sometimes you've got to go through a season of squeezing to get the juice out, the good juice. But that's okay. That's your ball. It belongs to you. You possess this thing. Once you've said yes to Jesus and his presence has taken up residence in you, there is a fruit available to you that will bear fruit for future generations. See, that's the difference. 
See, the works of the flesh just, they, they occur and they die. The fruit of the Spirit releases seed that will produce future life. That's the beauty of the life of the Spirit, even you. Like, well, I'm not really an evangelist. I'm not really a prophet. I'm not really, you got love, joy, and peace. It's in you. Just let it out. And if it's not coming out of you, be bold enough to ask the Lord, would you help me access the fruit, the multi-flavored fruit of the Spirit that's within me? The fruit of the Spirit is what you carry. It doesn't mean that you won't dip back into the deeds of the flesh. I already talked about it. You know, me driving, sometimes me playing Call of Duty. Oh, you play that game? I do. It's how I humble myself. Get beat up by 11-year-olds. But how do you do this? Sometimes we, we get stuck and we look at the fruit of the Spirit and we slip into some sort of behavioral modification program. This is not what this is. Although we are called to take captive every thought and make it obedient to the voice of Christ. So I don't want us to, you know, I say this often, but I want to bring balance to this, this statement of Christianity is not a behavioral modification program, but on the other side of the cross, we are to engage in spiritual disciplines that will modify our behavior. Does that make sense? But if we focus on the behavior and we don't focus on the face, then we will surely fail because the fruit of the spirit is the fruit of our position, not the fruit of our action. The only action we need to take primarily is to walk toward the face of God. How does Jesus explain this? He says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. How do you seek the kingdom? The word, his worship, prayer, just start there. And then there's this element of gathering together. This is why the word says it's so important. Do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. We had a couple year period where there were new behaviors that were embedded. Behaviors that were momentary that became habits and it created a separation. And we can see empirically the impact that separation has on society and culture. The things that weren't talked about the mental health impact of separation. Because I don't care how introverted you think you are, you are created for connection. I'm pretty introverted. I mean, I had a week in Texas of constant peopling. I do get to the place where, metaphorically speaking, I want to stab myself in the face. Amen, Will. He's like, that's my ball. But I also understand that I'm created for connection. Now, I, I recharge myself in solitude. But if I'm, even if I'm in solitude too long, I crave people. I crave connection. There's some, now, you can, through the power of your intellect, kill that. But that is not how you are wired. We can do all things uh, through, I mean... I don't want to say that, but there are many things that we can do through the, what Watchman Nee called the latent power of the soul. 
And because we can do it, we think that's truth. But the reality is we were created to be connected. And that is the value. I, and it's not, you know, I'm not a leader that's saying, oh, you know, we're just trying to get back to the way things were before. You know what? I wasn't even satisfied with the way things were before. We're not going back to something. We are creating something new. We are stepping in to the movement of God. We are stepping in. And if it brings us to a narrow place that brings us squeezing to our life, then I'm okay with that because I know it's going to squeeze out the fruit of the spirit because that's what he does. Sometimes we talk about the cross and we, you know, we say, well, you know, God was just trying to restore us back to what we were in the garden. No, he's not. He's trying to bring us into something better. I love, I mean, I wish I could see what the garden was like. I wish I could see what it was like and feel what it was like to experience the, the voice of yod heh vav Elohim walking to the spirit of the day in the garden. And I just imagine him blazing a trail of fire, of thunders, of lightnings, because when he comes and he manifests himself in the created realm, nothing created can contain his glory. But if he were to do that here we would all freak out in fear but in the garden it was just the sound of Abba until they ate of the fruit of knowledge instead of living from intimacy that's a whole other teaching I don't, it can't, it can't go there but, but you get it I want to know what that was like but see in the garden they got to walk around God now we get to have the actual essence and the presence of the living God tabernacling inside of us so that we can go confidently and say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's my ball. The enemy is coming against me. The adversary is moving toward that which I possess already. And so I'm going to move with more energy, with more vigor, with more aggressiveness. I'm going to storm the, the gates of heaven. I'm going to come boldly before the throne of grace, and I'm going to Declare that is my ball. By definition, we have already won. I am not coming under that which afflicts me, but I rise above it because the word says I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation, and he is seated high above all principalities, powers, rulers, authorities, afflictions, sicknesses, diseases. Hey, that's my God. God and that's my ball I'm gonna take it today how do you get the ball seek first the kingdom seek first his righteousness it doesn't mean that we don't pray for the things pray for the things man God has blessed me with things that I haven't even prayed for he just knew to the desires that were in my heart that I was too timid to ask for and not only was I too timid to ask for it, I was too timid to receive it. Some of the coolest gifts that I've been given, I struggled to receive because there was still this orphan mentality on me. But man, he wants to pour himself out. And he wants to not only give you just great and precious spiritual promises, but he wants to manifest upon you, even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of suffering, the blessing, the shalom of God. 
Nothing missing, nothing broken, an intact, favorable circumstance of living. Some of the most blessed people I've ever met are people that live in hostile nations. And not only, I'm not just talking about like spiritual blessing, I'm talking about, you know, people that are living on the edge for the kingdom and they're driving around like $150,000 Mercedes while the government is trying to take them out. And they do it with a smile on their face. And then we're like, hey, we're, we're gonna pray for you. They're like, hey, don't worry about praying for us. This is the best thing that ever happened to us. They're talking about persecution. Because the persecution that has come upon them, the squeezing that has hit their lives has produced new fruit, new fire, and a fresh revival in their cities. People are concerned about this oppression and how it might come to America and the persecution and how it might come to America. Whatever the enemy does, Jesus raises the standard against him and he will be victorious. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. Moving into 2023, I just keep myself, I keep going back to that verse over and over and over again. And then today, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. How do you get the fruit? You know, you don't work hard at being gentle. You don't work hard at being patient. You work hard at coming before the throne of grace and having his nature overtake your nature. And you'll be transformed evermore into the image from one level of glory to another level of glory. And then you'll find yourself walking in a way that you weren't walking before not because you tried really hard but because you came in into encounter with the living God amen I want to call the ministry team up there's fire on this large print bible we want to pray for you we want to bless you. We do believe in healing. I'm telling you, the testimonies that are coming up out of this place, and not just here, but around the world, there is an increase. The water table is rising. We're seeing signs and wonders. We're seeing salvation, healing, and deliverance. Nance is just one example, but man, it's a powerful one. I'm not timid against the works of the enemy. That's why Hebrews 10.39 is one of my favorite verses, really legit. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We are people of faith that preserve their souls. We're not shrinker backers. We're mover forwarders. <laughs> now you might be here, you might be watching online and you don't know Jesus like this. Maybe you did. Maybe you grew up in church, you know about him. I'm not talking about knowing about someone. I thought I knew about my wife until we got married and we lived together. I met my wife a couple years before I actually saw her. You know what I mean? And she wasn't who I thought she was. I thought I knew who she was, but I didn't know who she was until I knew who she was. And then I was like, oh, I, I could live with that. I'm not asking you to know about Jesus. I'm not asking you to think that he's a good teacher or that he was a good prophet. Look, he was either who he said he was or he's a loon. 
But there's been generation after generation after generation for 2,000 years who are willing to give their lives for him. I've met men in their 60s who have spent 25% of their adult life in prison for the gospel. I've experienced not only the revelation of Jesus, but the transformation that comes from being in his presence. And I'm certainly not perfect. I'm not without my crankiness. But the fruit of the Spirit is mine. Love, joy, and peace. We talk about moving and revival and pressing forward to this reforming of culture. What does that look like? That doesn't look like what some people might think it looks like. It's, it's when our culture begins to exude the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, and peace. That's what I'm after. And when we seek first Him, His kingdom, and His righteousness, man, He will look at you and you will feel this lightning and maybe lightning <laughs> rise up in the inside of you. As he whispers from his throne, holding the scepter of justice, and he says, behold, I make all things new. Sin is the issue. It's the thing that we hold between our face and his. The things that cause us to lack belief and trust in him as the primary authority of our lives. Sin is the issue that if we follow that path will lead us to a Christless eternity. And we don't even know what that's like. Because according to what is it, Romans 11, Romans 12, Romans 11, the gifts and callings are without repentance. You're called, whether you've said yes to Jesus or not. You've been given gifts by him, whether you've said yes to him or not. We don't know what it's like to be devoid of the life of God. All throughout history, he's been coming down to pull us into him. And so I want us to take a moment and examine your own hearts before him. What have you taken on? What identity have you taken on that's lesser than? What have you claimed as your own that doesn't actually belong to you? What voice have you listened to that is lesser than the voice and the word of Christ over your life? And what I'm asking you to do, whether you know him, know about him, you've been in him for 30 years, today I'm asking you to lay that down at the cross. And we're going to pray breakthrough over you. We're going to pray healing over you. We're going to pray deliverance over you. Whatever, whatever the Lord, whatever the work is the Lord has for you today, we're going to do. But it starts with a yes to him. Seeing the kingdom and his righteousness before you and saying, that's my ball, that's mine. Love, joy, and peace, that's mine. The opponent tried to take it and replace it with depression, anxiety, hopelessness.
but he's given you a love that endures forever, a joy that is your strength and a peace that is beyond the intellectual capacity to comprehend. Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidgery is the senior pastor at The Bridge. For more information about The Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508-651-0277.